This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share and collaborate. And welcome to EM Weekly and this is uh, your host Todd DeVos speaking and I have with me my co-host Dan Scott and today we have special guest Glenn Tate and Glenn and um, his wife uh, Shelby, we'll get into how they met in, in a minute, um, have written some interesting books and I, like I said before, as I love to read and bringing in authors about why they've written the books and stuff like this is important and I know we normally focus on the uh, the nonfiction uh, books that are about disasters or how to prevent them and or not prevent them but to respond to them and whatnot, right? But since we're coming into November, and what is November? November is the the great book giveaway, and we talk about books that you can buy for people that for Christmas and the two hundred ninety nine day series, and then also with Shelby's books, the uh, the great state are some books that you might be interested in reading just for fun, but it might scare you a little bit as well. Hmm. So before we get into this, I want to, I was talking to a gentleman the other day and he has an organization that he's supporting called Working Wardrobes and he has a t-shirt that he created uh, called Higher Power and that's a show that he does on the Stitch Radio Network and with the Higher Power group, they are, every t-shirt you buy, the money goes directly into Working Wardrobes and the Working Wardrobes is there for people who are down their luck and then are getting clothing so they can go for job interviews to be able to support themselves. I think it's a great organization. And so we'll include that link to buy the t-shirt so you can support working wardrobes. And I want to thank everybody ahead of time for buying a t-shirt. I'm going to buy a couple of them actually. So Glenn, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I was going to say thank you for having us Um, at the last minute. Shelby was Unable to join us, but she uh, she was very, very glad to be on the show. We're kind of competitive. We're married. You know how that kind of happens. And she wanted me to tell everybody, so I am, honey. I'm, no, I'm sure you listen to this, <laughs> that she was asked on the show because of her books. And then it was, oh, yeah, and how about Glenn, too? So she was the primary. I'm the secondary. I'm totally cool with that. Yeah. <laughs> so, Glenn, the 299-day 299 the 299-day series, which is an interesting concept that that you wrote a while ago, right? Yes. Um talks a little bit about um a financial collapse, a, a societal collapse, um and 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 just sort of how people reacted to it. And and this book I think was one of the ones I think was interesting because like a lot of the people that are in uh, disaster preparedness uh, and the CERT programs and stuff like this found it interesting. Kind of turned me on to it, and uh, <clears throat> and it's a fu- it's a it's a fun and interesting read. And I say fun because you hopefully it stays fantasy. But yeah. uh, with a lot of stuff that's been going on lately, uh, especially up in Portland and seeing some of the, the 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 violence and unrest that's up there, and and then of course the this contentious uh, election cycle we have here. Mm, you know, could it possibly come true? And I hope not. That's my, my goal is I hope it doesn't come true. But what made you write? <laughs> it is an amazing story. I love telling it. Um, the answer is the Easter Bunny. 
And I know all your listeners now are saying, oh, great, they booked a guy who's absolutely certifiably insane. I mean, now I have to listen to the ramblings of a lunatic. Stick with me on this. Um, I, I just like the book. Book one is 97% true. I am Grant Matson. It's all basically about me and my kind of unvarnished um, uh, entry into the preparedness world. And I want to pause for a moment and say preparedness. There's no wacky conspiracy theories. There's no crazy stuff. There's no, and I'll just be candid because it's an important point now. There's no racial stuff. This is not any of that kind of stuff um, because that stuff's BS and hokey. Anyway, back to the story about the Easter Bunny. I was preparing when I was married to my first wife, who's not Shelby. Shelby's my second wife. And my first wife was extremely hostile to this entire um, idea that I had that maybe things wouldn't always be just perfect and there wouldn't always be goat cheese, you know, fresh goat cheese in the supermarket, that sort of thing. And so I started preparing a little bit. It was always very rational. There was no debt involved and never broke any laws. I mean, you know, you don't need a sawed off shotgun or some crazy thing like that. So I was doing it pretty rationally. And I realized that I needed an explanation for her, um, for her to save face, which is fair and legitimate. And I needed an explanation um, when some big event happened and I rolled out all this stuff that I had hidden (laughs) in a rented storage locker. Um, (laughs) I needed to have an explanation for where all this stuff came from. And so I came up with, and you can see that this is uh, um, this is not some big professional marketing. I, I came up with the Easter Bunny and what the Easter Bunny, how that figures in is it was going to be a speech. And I was going to say, honey, the Easter Bunny came by and the Easter Bunny brought this stuff. That was a face saving way. And I was going to say, here's what this stuff is. Here's why this is important. And here's what we're going to do with it. And so I'm a lawyer. I'm a litigator, actually. So I present information all the time and I realized I needed for probably because this is kind of a why in the road for this marriage. Right. I mean, this is a time when there's a crisis. It's the absolute worst time to be a jerk, to say I told you so and to belittle people. It's the worst time. So I realized I needed to get this Easter Bunny speech right. I needed to put some time and effort into it. So I did what I always do, which is um, sketch it out on a post-it note. I love post-it notes. I probably buy 10,000 post-it notes a year and use them very well. Um, And so I started doing bullet points about what this stuff is, why I got it, and what we're going to do. It soon turned into a page, and I wrote a page, more bullet points, and then this cascade of information started pouring out of me, and I realized there was a story here, and I thought, I I should probably write this down. Now, I've never written fiction at this point. This is about 2011 or 2012, by the way. I've never written fiction. I don't even read fiction. And the reason is I don't have time because I'm a lawyer, right? And super busy. So I don't look like a lawyer, but that is a whole different long story that maybe I'll tell later. But I didn't even know in fiction writing, because I write legal stuff, but that doesn't count. It's entirely different kind of writing. If I didn't know in fiction... If the commas go inside the quote marks or outside, I didn't know. And so I went over to my wife's bookshelf. She reads some fiction and there it was. And the commas do indeed go inside the quote marks, which I didn't know. So I thought, okay, I'll write this as a chapter, a little chapter, and I'll put it up on uh, a forum I was on for free because this Easter Bunny speech 
I have to say, it was really a great explanation of why someone would prepare, prepare rationally, I might add. And so I started writing it up as the Easter Bunny speech I would give my, my first wife in the garage. Well, then I realized that there needed to be a chapter about me and a chapter about her so people could understand why you have to tiptoe around this thing. Wouldn't it normally be like a great thing? It's like, oh, my husband in secret, you know, was thinking of me and providing and taking care of and so thoughtful um, and why that wasn't the tone of the Easter Bunny speech. So I did a chapter about me. I grew up in a rural area and then went to the suburbs and decided to be a lawyer. And I call it the Docker years. Um, the 2000s, I would pretty much work all the time intensely, come home, crash on the couch, eat a huge plate of nachos and watch football and then check out and then do it all over again. So why am I? And then I rediscovered that things could be maybe fragile, not the end of the world and not scary, but things are kind of fragile. I'm just in time inventory. You guys know this, this story. So why I was like I was, well, then these chapters, there started being more of them and then enter into the story all these amazing people I know, I often say, and I'm not kidding, um, if you guys were around me for a lot of time, you would appreciate the authenticity of the statement. I don't think I'm cool, but I have some of the coolest friends around, some of the most interesting friends. And uh, I was shooting with a team of guys, and I started introducing them into the story. They're amazingly interesting guys, all self-taught, all civilians. Um, the, the coolest character, the one everybody loves the most, and Todd is about to nod his head, I know, is Pal, the six-foot Korean gunfighter who sells insurance <laughs> and is like this amazing – and he's exactly as I describe him. The whole story about showing up at the gun range to shoot with him and bringing a dozen donuts and stuff like that, all of this is true. And then – so this dialogue started coming out of me, and it wasn't creative. I can't stress that enough. I am not a creative guy. I would just – remember the conversations I had with Pow and with others enter into the story, another friend of mine who at the time was a green beret and he got involved and he would take us out to the range and show us how to do stuff. And he was an amazing, amazing, interesting guy with all kinds of cool experience. Well, those are two of, it ended up being 350 named characters in the book and it just kept going and going and going. And I was writing this in secret over a two to three year period uh, because my wife, and this isn't the, you know, Glenn Tate says bad things about his ex-wife show, because that's not very interesting and that's really low class. I'm just going to say she was hostile, so I couldn't like do it. So I'm writing all this stuff and all these dots are getting connected in my head between all these interesting people. And it's a story of a, and this is really critical for emergency managers. It's the story of a partial collapse. My theory, and I think this is borne out in everybody's experience is the more dramatic something is, the less likely it is to occur. It would be dramatic if a giant comet smacked into the earth and it could happen, but it's extremely unlikely. Well, it's less dramatic and more likely that there's a big windstorm and people are without electricity in my part of the, the country. You know, two weeks sometimes happens and that's pretty common elsewhere. So it's more likely. So prepare for, you know, the two week power outage. Um, and so, that is the tenor of the book. And it's specifically, a, I call it the no comic book sort of approach. It A lot of prepper fiction, and people should read it if they want, and that's cool. And there's a lot of good stuff out there. A lot of it starts off with, you know, when I got kicked off a of SEAL Team 6 for being too effective, comma. 
That's not me. I mean, I'm a lawyer. Um, I'm a suburban lawyer guy who happens to have cool friends that are like great gunfighters and Green Berets and stuff. But I am very honest when I say, wow, how did this happen? I mean, why am I included in this group? Right. So it's no comic book stuff. And here's an important part. I want to speak specifically to emergency managers, both professionals and students. Um, The government is not the bad guy in these books because that no group of people is monolithically good or bad. There are plenty of government people, including candidly at some very high managerial levels in the emergency management world, some bad guys in my book who are yes, indeed bad guys. There are plenty of police officers and others who are good guys. And then there are, because see, this is reality to me. This is how I see the real world. I wasn't trying for the comic book stuff. Um, then there are quite a few characters. Again, I, I credit, it's the word I'm going to say, I credit this storyline and this approach that I had to reality. There are some people who start off marginally good and end up being kind of bad. And some people who start off kind of bad and end up being kind of good. There's a full mixture because it's how I, I see life and, and how it plays out. So um, the good guys get together, go out to my my cabin, which I still own, which is still an amazing place. And um, the good guys on the team, they're called the team with a capital T. They form up the neighborhood and do some common sense, like self-policing. And it keeps growing from there. The good guys get together. Um, My Green Beret buddy comes into the story. And um, then they go and they uh, right some wrongs uh, at the state capitol. And then the question is, how do you rebuild? So it's 10 books. I I couldn't stop writing this. That's the weird thing. Um, I would get up at one in the morning and start writing because I could not stop all the connections and the dots. And, And it was almost like I couldn't write fast enough. Um, and so the audiobooks, which I recommend in part because, uh, not because of the content, sorry, um, that's okay, but the narrator is mind blowing. Kevin Pierce, who's New York Times bestselling narrator, he's, he's the king of this, especially in this genre. The audiobooks are, I think, really helpful and impactful. Um, 90 hours of audio. So once you start mm-hmm. these books, you're kind of, it's like a tattoo. You're making quite a commitment. Um, it's going to be there for a while for 90 hours, at least. Um, and there's motivation in there and there are all kinds of little tips and tricks that you mentioned, Todd, all kinds of motivation, all kinds of mental preparation in the sense of painting a picture for folks about what a partial collapse could look like. It varies. The conditions vary greatly based on geography and I don't just mean like Texas is well off and Chicago is like burning. I don't just mean it that in a black and white sense, even neighborhood by neighborhood, county by county. Sure. Um, certainly state by state. So that in an overview is the Easter bunny story. And uh, I'm glad I ended up writing that post-it note. It's launched quite a, quite a great thing. I've now met people all over. I'm on your show. I mean, it's been a cool thing. That's awesome. So, Glenn, let's take, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to get into some questions and paralleling what you and both Shelby wrote back in the day and how it's kind of coming true. <laughs> the Outer Limits Supply Company was founded on the idea of providing high-quality first aid kits. Their goal is to supply the life-saving equipment you'll need to mitigate the majority of medical or traumatic injuries often seen during austere conditions. 
Whether it is when you are on the outdoor adventure or your team has responded to a major crisis, the Outer Limit Supply Company provides practical, user-friendly first aid and trauma kits that anyone can use. If you enter EM Weekly at checkout, you'll receive 20% off your purchase. So go to www.outerlimitsupply.com today. Seconds count during an emergency. That's why at Titan HST, we're always inventing new technology to help people stay safe and help people who can provide help get connected with people who need help. At Titan HST, we've deployed mesh networking, allowing emergency communication, even when networks are down, augmented reality, and real-time translation. We believe in the power of people to help each other stay safe and thrive. Are you looking for that bag to help you keep organized as you travel around? Something you could carry with you every day? Well, VanQuest was founded with a simple mission. Build the toughest bags and packs for you to carry every day and to help you stay organized and prepared. VanQuest has been making the ultra-durable bags and packs since 2011, and their bags and packs are trusted by the clients such as the FBI, the U.S. Secret Service, and U.S. SOCOM. Yes, that is the U.S. Special Operations Command. Their bags and packs offer the best organization for the user-friendly experience, such as the high-visibility interior for the users. I'm telling you something, I love that orange inside the bag because I can find the things I need quickly. I love my VanQuest bag. Don't forget, they offer free shipping, 100-day return guarantee, and a lifetime warranty. And if you put an EM Weekly, all caps, all one word, you get 10% off your total purchase. VanQuest.com. Hey, welcome back from the quick break. And thank you so much for listening to our sponsors. And please reach out to them. I mean, a couple of them are giving us some really great discounts with using the EM weekly discount code and uh, show the support. And, and yeah, thank you so much. So, Glenn. Yes, sir. I, I'm, I'm really kind of bummed that Shelby's not yeah. on today because I, I have the, the number one question for her is <laughs> what is it like to, to time travel? Because so she wrote in her book, I guess you were saying 2016 is when she kind of wrote the manuscript um i read the book and i was reading it during um the whole or listen to the book obviously uh obviously i like i like audible because i I can do it while i'm driving um i listened to the book while all the stuff in portland and uh was going was going off with the protests with antifa versus the uh uh, the proud boys and all that kind of the craziness that was going on or still is going on i suppose and her book really focuses on on that civil unrest moving into other confusions that are going on including including purposely lit fires and when that when that when those team people are purposely lighting fires i was like holy smoke that is it's amazing like that she she was able to channel that <laughs> i'm using that mm-hmm. if you can see me you can't see me but i'm putting air quotes yeah. up there channeling. so <clears throat> i mean like I, I, is this just and I guess my my question is I I like to um I I like to to think about preparedness in the sense of I live in California you know there's earthquakes and you have to be prepared for the earthquake and and you know that makes sense right and we've seen the storm superstorm Sandy for instance coming in and pummeling New York City and people weren't prepared for that and there's video of people eating food out of dumpsters um you, you know things like this so people should be generally prepared for disasters or storms or whatever that that hits your area. Um, In this case, it's a story that you can use to say, Hey, you know, 
prepare for the earthquake, but maybe other things are happening. I mean, you know, with COVID, we saw the run on toilet paper and mm-hmm. and things like this. I mean, it was hard to get milk and eggs for a while. I mean, I remember the neighborhood was getting together whenever we went shopping and saying, hey, what are you getting? Because can you please pick you know this up for me because I haven't found it. Um, it was kind of an interesting times uh, during the beginning of COVID to see the supply chain issues. Um, that being said, what, what, again, you know, these books are, are made upon fantasy, right? It's, it's an idea and a concept, but some of them seem to be coming true. What can people learn from, because we tell people to be prepared, right? What can people learn from these books that you can't by taking a certain class and stuff like that? And then Dan, I want to have you ask a question there because I know one's burning in you right now. I can see it in your head. Go ahead, Glenn. Yeah. Um, the answer to how I'm going to reframe the question a bit, if that's okay, how can fiction um, make people understand concrete things that are not fiction, like uh, the, the need to prepare and those sorts of things. And the answer is human beings and personal stories. When I, and I'm probably like a lot of people, I'm, I don't know if I'm a, a what kind of learner I am, but I know that if I look at a big thick binder uh, an emergency management binder, and it has all these bullet points, and here are the 19 things you need to know. Uh, it kind of trickles into my head a little bit. But what I really remember and relate to and have a framework that I can plug into is, you know, my uncle. What's my uncle like? Um, and if I read a story about how somebody's uncle reacted and did something, it's more real. I can um, relate to it more. And so I think the answer to your question is, information that is brought out that is presented by situations and characters and dialogue and when a character is thinking is this a good idea or a bad idea that's one way of saying in a nonfiction sense here are the pros and here are the cons except it's more readable or with the cool thing with audible is it's so easy to listen you know when you're commuting or whatever you might be doing so that's how it it gets more real and that's what you can learn. There are of course topical things, you know, I always use the example how many drops of bleach in a gallon of water that needs to be treated and there's always that stuff and that of course is laced throughout prepper fiction, but that's sort of an an easy thing to to show, but I I think it is the personal uh connectivity people have with characters, real characters. Again, you know, not the SEAL team 6 guy that was too effective, right? I mean, I I can't relate to that. But when they're regular people, and I consider myself a very regular guy, you've listened to the books, Todd, you would understand there's all kinds of of, of stories of me making real life, like stupid decisions that are in there. So there's no sugarcoating. Um, Let's see. Another thing that um, I think you can learn from prepper fiction that you can't learn any other way, uh, especially with sort of a checklist. And that is the mental preparation, which in my opinion is the most important part understanding that stuff could happen. And Todd, you just gave a great example of that. You're reading this or listening to this, I should say, about Antifa in Portland being completely uncontrolled, unrestrained, almost encouraged, um, rounding up the homeless, recruiting them to go do bad things and getting away with it and effectively being rewarded for it. And then starting a bunch of fires in, in, in Oregon, in the North Western part of Oregon where everybody in Oregon lives pretty much. And then people see that and they say, wow, this could happen. And 
why would you prepare for something you don't think can happen? Let's agree that there's something that cannot happen. Um, I don't know. The um, artesian wells start spraying out uh, gold coins, right? Okay. There's something that's not going to happen. Why would you have a plan to prepare for that? I should have come up with a better example because everyone would just get big buckets, right? But the price of gold would go down, so it's not going to help. But anyway, why would you prepare for something that is just, in your mind, realistically never going to happen? The first step is understanding stuff could happen. And the way Shelby describes it in her books, she always talks to people around her who are um, completely switched off. I mean, they just they're in comfort zone. And I, I think there's less and less of that now because of the toilet paper thing you mentioned in 2020, I think there's been a big learning curve on that, but she would say to people, Oh, I got all this, um, barbecue sauce based on a true story. And that's one of the things in her books because, uh, you know, it could be the big earthquake. It was always the big earthquake. That's how she would explain it to people. And I know she did that in real life. So they wouldn't think she was a weirdo. Um, they still thought she was kind of a weirdo because who needs that amount of barbecue sauce? Um, barbecue sauce is delicious. I think we all know that, but, um, 25 cents a bottle. I mean, how are you going to beat that? It's just a matter of storage space at that point. Um, anyway, so the mental preparation you can get out of prepper fiction and learning a variety of things from topical things to mindset things to pros and cons and considerations, um, via, characters who are believable. So that I think is why it is so effective and so worth people's time to be quite honest. Well, so my question is, this: I mean, you, well, let me see first, let me make a statement. Then I'll ask the question. I think a lot of it is, is application and how you can apply it. And you, we, we talk about preparedness, but there are so different, so many different aspects. I mean, there's, there's preparing and having a bunker that you can yeah. bunker down for weeks at a time. And then there's being prepared for, any situation that could could realistically happen. I mean, it does me no good to stock up my house and then there's a fire and I have to leave. So there's being preparedness. And I don't think ultimately we're doing good enough, especially right now during COVID, we should be taking advantage of this aspect to tell people how important it is to be prepared. But ultimately um, it's a, it's a, it's a fear factor. It's like, I don't want to think something that bad can happen, Mm -hmm. but what are the little steps that, Mm-hmm. say your books is I haven't had the pleasure of, of listening to them yet though I did put them on my list um, thank you as far as um, what are the little steps that the listening to your books or someone could take from it to say to do things in a in a step-by-step slow realistic fashion that they're thinking these things through to realize this could happen this is probably never going to happen to me because it all it, it really is situational I mean there are things that just probably will not happen to um, you in depending on where you are located at. And then there are others that the odds are it's going to happen. So as your books address these things, how does a listener able to pull that out and say, I should be doing this. I should, I should take that into account. I should think this scenario through because a lot of it is scenario based. I mean, having two weeks, you know, having a month at home, but if you got a fire behind you, do you have two weeks to throw in your car and leave? You know, these are things that we, that we also have to think it's scenario based pre- preparation not just necessarily preparation in general. Absolutely. And that's a very good point. Uh, There are two answers um, to your question. Uh, um, I will defer, first of all, to Shelby's books, because Shelby's books are from the perspective of a single mom living in an urban center who has very little money and how she prepares. And I wasn't kidding about 25 cent, you know, barbecue sauce. Um, I think the best 
starter kit, if you will, the best way to prepare with little or no resources would be Shelby's books. And it's, it's all laid out in there, especially in book one. And it's all very realistic and it's all true, which is why it's realistic. Um, and then second, uh, in, in my books, book one and a little bit of book two, um, are the story of how I did it, how I would, you know, this beans and rice and vacuum sealing and, you know, first aid kits and learning first aid and, going on YouTube and learning things. It wasn't like how to um, have a flock of ostriches and have ostrich meat and eat ostrich. You know what I mean? It was nothing hard or complicated. Um, it wasn't like, well, I like honey on my toast, so I'm going to go be a beekeeper. Um, no, it was, it, everything was practical. So, but you learn just from seeing how the character does it because it's all true, you know, starting off with, um, I can't remember if it's in the book or not, um, but it, for me, it started off with an empty plastic Snapple bottle. And I got on YouTube and I don't know how I found this. You know how YouTube is like this rabbit trail. You can just, <laughs> just amazing stuff. And it was about, I actually don't know if this is true or not, but I'll tell you what the video was about. It was about if you really, really need to treat some water, you could consider putting it in a clear plastic bottle, putting it up on your roof and letting yeah. it sit out in the sun for 12 hours. Don't know if that's true. Um, I have better ways of doing it now than that. So um, I have this thing about water being a very serious topic, right? And and one you don't goof around with and you don't throw out urban legends and myths. But anyway, so I start out, I still have it, by the way. I've kept it because it means a lot to me. And I can't remember if that's in the book or not. Probably Todd will know better than me because I forget what was in the book and taken out by the editors. So, and then there's real life and what's in the book and they're largely overlapping, but sometimes they're not. So anyway, I, I really can't remember what's in the book. I know that sounds weird. Um, but anyway, so yeah, the, the small steps are definitely the way to go. You of course have to understand there's a reason to take the small steps. And one of the things we never do, um, either in our books or we have a podcast prepping 2.0, um, which is the next level of preparedness. And it centers a lot on community and group things like communications and group, you know, sanitation, for lack of a better term. I mean, all the things you need, not just for your little family, but for your area and your mutual assistance group and your neighborhood and things like that. Um, one of the things that um, we talk about on Prepping 2.0, I, I actually am losing my train of thought. I was just thinking about the podcast. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, it happens. Uh my apologies. There we go. Just dead stop on that one. <laughs> no, no worries. No, you know, <laughs> I mean, it, start. yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, like of why people start. And that's one of the things like it's, it's, and I'm going to, I'm going to get into this, this question that was actually brought or this uh, point that was brought up by one of the listeners by Robert. But, um, the, the idea that as, as emergency managers, right. And especially at like local emergency management at cities, you know, we teach the CERT programs or, or other sort of disaster preparedness programs. We want people to be prepared uh, and, and we go through this. But then, yeah, once they get into like, then they go, I don't want to say go to the other extremes, but there could be extremes like Dan was saying. Um, but then we start making fun of like the people that are on doomsday preppers. And I think, I mean, that show was the show is mildly interesting and it, and it really just kind of put people in a bad light necessarily. But, you know, we, we hear prepper now, or we hear that thing and we get, 
cringy. Oh, you know, why, why are we doing this? And it just it seems odd that we want people to be ready, but then we don't want them to be ready mm-hmm. necessarily. Robert w- Wigman says, I really like using narrative storytelling uh, to teach preparedness. And people gloss over when you give them the checklists and you don't, they don't retain the information. Um, uh, he says he hasn't read the books, but they're on his list for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks, Robert, for that comment. You know, I, I think that it's important to understand that I think people do learn narratively. I mean, historically speaking, right? When we where did we learn? We learn when we sat around the campfire, and you know, one of the shaman would come out and tell stories or whatever. I, I always use shaman because it sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the, the the elders would come out and tell stories. Um, and and so, you know, it, it's. That's what we're using. We're using storytelling to to have people prepare. Um, you know, and then going back to that, I, I want to say one more comment, and then I'm going to turn, turn it back over to Dan. Um, you talk about the SEAL team guys. I always find yeah. it funny. I, I read uh, Brad Thor, and I read some other like Tom Clancy's and things like this, and I always find it funny that in those books, it's always like this one guy who, you know, was a Green Beret or, or SEAL Team 6 member. He retired. He's living up in the mountains trying to stay away from everybody. And he gets pulled back into government service because for whatever reason, he's the only one that can solve mm-hmm. this problem, you know. And it's just, it kind of always, that's the question I always ask. I'm like, why that guy? I mean, there's like thousands of, literally thousands of Navy SEALs and Green Beret guys that they could put teams in every book. But why do they need to pull this one dude out of retirement but that's just mm-hmm. I, I digress a little bit dan i know you have another question burning in you yeah and it, 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 it goes it goes about you know what we're saying is how do we get people to do what we're asking them to do how do we get them to prepare how do we get them to to embrace that these things that they need to to, to do these things in order to be better prepared to take care of themselves and their family and i think there's a level of engagement that needs to be that needs to take place from from us as emergency managers, obviously, we need to be engaging. But I think ultimately it's to let people know. And, and as you pointed out, uh, Glenn is the 25 cent bottle of you know barbecue sauce that it, it needs to be done. It doesn't need to be done like I need to go out and I need to purchase all this stuff overnight and I don't have the money. And how am I going to do that? It's a it's a steady day, you know, daily, you know, almost weekly. And you just bridge it out. Right. I mean, as far as like you got to you got to go at this in a, at a pace that is applicable to you that it, it fits the individual uh, and it makes it understand too that I, I don't need to go out and buy everything i need right now on amazon and expect it to show up at my door uh, tomorrow it's you know you, you build these kits based on what your needs and as we've said they're setting fires and mountains are burning and people that are bunkering down right now their mountains are on fire they can't they can't be there you know so these things that are these scenarios need to be brought through but they need to be in a daily engagement so i'm assuming in your books there's a as you said, it's an escalation, right? Just as it is, just as in preparing, there's an escalation that takes place. You start small and you escalate and you build and you build and you build until you're where you need to be. Absolutely. It escalates uh, in book one. And that's been my experience. That's been everybody else's. One thing, Dan, that I think is going to make this problem you're describing a little easier to solve is 2020. And everyone has seen it, the toilet paper, whatever it is about toilet paper that just it resonates with people after that happened, let's say April or so March, April um, in our personal lives. Cause we use fake names and, and not a lot of people know what we actually do. We have reasons to do it. Shelby in particular has a bunch of creepy dudes, stalker types. And so we kind of like to keep that to a minimum, but anyway, people who didn't know that we were preppers and you're right, Todd, that's a terrible term and I hate it. And it's pejorative, but they were coming up to us and saying, wow, I think maybe, um, 
you know, I need to take some steps. And we're like, yeah, well, tell me what you're going to do. You know what I mean? So I think it, it, it really um, stuck with people because of that. You're so right about this being slow and steady. Never, as I say, never go into debt, never break laws. Another reason to go about it slow and steady is that conditions change as you go about this. Um, facts change. There are new threats that emerge. Um, uh, there are some political potential problems right now that may be surging or receding, depending on a variety of things. Another reason to go about it slow is there's so much to learn and know. I don't want people to be overwhelmed. There's a lot of stuff that you need to have. Um, uh, technology is improving. Prices are going down. Classic example is water treatment. Uh, life straws used to be a hundred bucks and now yeah. on black Friday sales, they're eight. Right. So, um, if you do everything at once, uh, one of the reasons that's a bad idea is you're not able to take advantage of a drop in life straw prices, for example, all are good reasons to go slow and steady. One thing we always let people know, um, especially on the show prepping 2.0 is that even if you're doing a little bit, you're way ahead of the general population. So don't be discouraged. It can't, the, the goal can't be the, the multimillion dollar bunker with the, uh, the small scale home size nuclear reactor to provide your own electricity, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's the goal. Then just give up now. And so that can't be it. And, and, and so uh, a lot of what we do on prepping 2.0 is actually motivational and it's letting people know that you don't need to have all this stuff. And it is, it is truly a lifestyle. It is a new way of thinking. 10 years ago when I lived in the suburbs, I would never be caught wearing what I'm wearing, uh, in, you know, on a weekday. And, um, I, I wasn't prepared in a bunch of other stuff. It's taken about 10 years to get where we are and we're okay with that as far as the pace goes. And something is better than nothing. And of course, for emergency managers, the more prepared your, your customers, your clients, Absolutely. your residents are, the better it is. I think one of the big things to, come back around to 2020 in the toilet paper. One of the big things that I think people have learned is that the government can't just provide everything for them. Um, a friend of mine was a, an air national guardsman, New York air guardsman during Sandy, um, the storm, hurricane, whatever it was. And he said that super he storm. would tell Superstorm. He would tell stories and he tells them better than I do. And I'm not going to try to imitate his awesome Bronx accent, but he would tell stories about people being out of their minds 12 hours into this. And they really were screaming, where's the FEMA truck with like dinner. They expected like a hot meal in a clamshell, right. To just be like delivered to them. And they were stunned, legitimate. They weren't just mad. They actually thought that was going to happen, that they were just, it was going to be meals on wheels. And it was going to be like, I don't know, DoorDash or, or whatever, <laughs> like stuff was just going to show up like a, a half rack of ribs and some fries. And I think 2020 has shown people that that's not true. So then the next question is, well, what do I need to do? So I think 2020, as awful as it's been, and oh, by the way, we got two more months of awfulness ahead of us, I think, um, it, it has actually had some positive effects on the general population. Robert Whitman says um, it's a process too, right? He goes, I checked for my supplies and found some things lacking, needing tweaking. It's no different than any other process uh, where we, you know, where we can't, oh, uh, where we can't be one and done, 
I get it. Sorry about that, Robert. Um, it's uh, be adaptive and be flexible. And absolutely, yeah. right? I mean, it is it is a process, and you, you get stuff, and you have to go through. You know, we, I mean, this is the stuff that we te- again going back to CERT programs. This is the stuff that we teach in the preparedness section of, of CERT. We tell people go to the store. You know, if you're if I use SpaghettiOs as a as a reference, I don't. Again, I don't know why spaghetti is a pick on <laughs> uh, spaghettios. You need to send me my check, please. Um, I, <laughs> I, I, I say, you know, you go and you buy your four cans of spaghettios. You rotate them through because that's what your kids are going to eat, and you buy food and stuff that you that you need that that your kids will eat. You know, so you know it is a process. Oh, one more thing, Paul. I, can I come over to your house if you have a small nuclear power plant? That's that's amazing. So Paul says, we, "What? We, you guys don't have your own small scale nuclear power plant?" That's yes, Paul. I am coming to your house for sure. Well, we still haven't got all the permits, uh, so uh, we're not going to tell you where that is because the NRC Nuclear Regulatory Commission and what is it the Nest team are probably going to be very interested in where we're located. But no. <laughs> <laughs> that's good stuff. So, I, I mean, I, I'm going to circle back here, and I know we, we're, we're kind of running a little bit over, but I think the conversation is a lot of fun. That's, that's, um, the the thing that I find interesting, number one, is that people, you know, we kind of discount the idea of these preparedness books or the, you know, like there's there's this book here, you're, you know, your series 299 days, you know, you have um, The Great State, and then, you know, there's other books that are out there that are around the same thing. And what what I find interesting is, number one, just because there's not zombies in the books doesn't make them not interesting. I, there's so many zombie books and movies and stuff like that are out there. Um, but these books are, are very interesting. They they have some practical application associated with them. You know, I mean, if you, if you just enjoy, and I'm going like to say, enjoy the fantasy part of it. You know what I mean? What I mean by that is enjoy the fiction because hopefully it stays fiction. Because we don't, I mean, if these a lot of these books that are out there, you do not want the doomsday scenario that there's being written in here to, to become true. But they're interesting. They're fun to watch. If you, you know, it's like if you like westerns, you like western movies. I I, I enjoy um, these type of books. The the doomsday scenario books are just fun to read for me. Um, I find two ninety nine a great series. I've given it away uh, for for mm-hmm. Christmas presents. Um, you, you know, my nephew. I, I've given it to him, and he enjoys it. So that being said, you know. Christmas is coming up or holiday season is coming up or whatever you celebrate. It's a, it's an option for you to do to, to be able to purchase these uh, series. It's like, again, it's 299 days and it's the, um, uh, the, uh, the great state. The links are in, uh, in our link our show notes. Um, and so I think it's important. So Dan, couple, we're getting some more conversation going on here. Um, and uh, why don't you read the next one, Dan, from Robert Whitnam. <clears throat> I'm actually not seeing the comments on. The- oh, you're not. There we go. So he says it's really hard for people to understand uh, that FEMA or, or outside help won't be there right away. It's almost like some people think that we'll pop up through a portal or something. It's uh, been a long process to explain uh, at the PNW to get two weeks because, you know, yeah, you're right. We're moving to two weeks of red preparedness over 72 hours. And then Paul says the biggest challenge is to, to practice your plans, especially with kids and elderly that just don't move quickly. Absolutely. But the vulnerable population, kids and elderly. Yeah. They're always in a vulnerable population aspect. They're always, well, I say always, but mostly they're reliant on, on others to, to help them and prepare for them and be there for them. So that's an aspect that we, we always need to keep in, in the back of our mind. But I think ultimately overall, and I think, you know, I think we're all on the same page is consistency is what we really need to get the consistency mindset in, in a positive way. I mean, you don't want to be consistently 
uh, robbing somebody or consistently, but consistently in a mindset that I'm consistently uh, thinking about what do I need to do to prepare or do I need to buy an extra, can I buy an extra case of water? Can I buy an, an extra case of toilet paper? Can I buy an extra case of, of whatever it may be or an extra can or an extra bottle, whatever it may be to help to consistently start building um, that preparation for whatever may happen uh, coming forward. But it's a, it's a mindset. It really is. And we got to apply it consistently in, in, in a positive way that helps us develop as we move down the road. Well, Glenn, thank you so much for spending time with us thank this you. morning. We, we went over a few, about 15 minutes over what we normally do, um, but it was a great conversation. Is there anything you'd like to say to everybody before we let you go? Yeah, one quick thing. Our podcast, which is free, is a great way to every week have um, more tips, more guests, more motivation, and it's Prepping 2.0. We're on all the outlets, iTunes and Stitcher. The best way to find out more about the podcast, get it for free, and also get links to the books uh, is our website, prepping2-0.com, prepping2-0.com. Give it a listen, give it a try, and I think once you try it, um, every week you're going to be waiting for the Prepping 2.0 episode to come out, and that's what we aim to do, and it's an absolute joy and pleasure to do the podcast. It's great to come on shows like yours. Love it. We're getting the message out. It's very fulfilling. It's what Shelby and I were meant to do, and we we get up early and we do the work and we get it done because it's important and we love it. So thank you guys for giving me a megaphone to talk about preparedness from a slightly different angle than maybe it typically is talked about on here. Absolutely. And again, thank Glenn. Thank you again for your time. Everybody else, thank you so much for spending time with us this morning. I know there's a lot more questions coming in. So maybe Glenn, if you can pop over and answer some of those later. Sure. Um, but it's it was great talking to Glenn. It was great having Dan on here and everybody. And, and again, um, hey, I just want to do one thing about the elections. Everybody, you know, let's keep our heads on, you know, screwed on tight and, and right in that. You know, don't lose our, our mind over this. You know, we we have gone through these uh, in the past, and and uh, everything will be okay. Um, that being said, everybody, I'll please join us next week and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, uh, LinkedIn, and of course your favorite podcast player. And uh, don't forget to subscribe and rate us. Thank you so much for your time, and stay safe, and stay healthy, and stay hydrated. Yeah.